weeks. Unlike the never-ending news cycle, there is not much to report out on this week. But I do want to give a big thank you to all who donated, and an especially big shout-out to my patrons on Patreon. Krista Umberfirth, Hannah Grierson, Grace Kent, Chandler Parrott-Thomas, and Dante Tapo. And I am so thrilled to welcome our newest patron, Alyssa Matthews, to the team. Thank you so much, Alyssa. If you want to be like these amazing folks and also receive lots of fun extras like exclusive episode art, bonus content, and the opportunity to guest on an episode, you can go to patreon.com slash that do it for you pod to join our horny little community. And if you don't feel like you can commit to being a monthly donor but still want to donate, you can catch my Venmo in the episode description. It's weird as hell to be a creative type and a person right now, so as always, there is no pressure to donate. I'm really just here to help you simulate conversations with the outside world. Truly, any little bit helps, and your generosity is greatly appreciated. You can still catch the blooper reel from the Mother's Day episode, Captain Von Thirst Trap, with my mom. All you have to do is donate on Venmo or Patreon. As always, sorry for the crunchy audio. It really do be like that sometimes, and hopefully as I continue to learn more about what I'm doing and as I begin recording with my fancy new microphone, that gets better. Unfortunately, there's not much I can do about my shitty Wi-Fi and the shitty Wi-Fi of others. So with your kindness and understanding, I present to you episode 9 of That Do It For Ya, Put a Lord of the Rings on It, with Sarah Shaw featuring Dante Tapo. Do you want to rub on Simba's tummy? Or think that Spider-Man looks extra yummy? The pain of childhood is super funny on Did That Do It For Ya? With Aurelia Grierson. Hi, friends. Hello. Welcome to another episode of That Do It For Ya podcast. I'm here with Sara Shaw and producer Dante Tompo. How are y'all doing? Finally cashing in my uh, my executive privileges. Yes. Doing pretty good. Got a drink, 3 p.m. Hell yeah. It's the core. It's the core. I'm on EST, so I'm, I'm allowed. Oh, right. It's like socially acceptable for you and your time. It's Hey, it's quarantine. Do what you gotta do. It's quarantine, baby. That's what I keep saying when I wear the same sweatpants three days in a row. I take off one pair of stretchy pants in order to put on another pair of stretchy pants to signal that my day has ended. You got your day sweatpants and your sleep sweatpants. Yeah, you got your fancy Zoom sweatpants. Your business casual sweatpants. Your cocktail sweatpants. Your Zoom happy hour sweatpants. Your TV watching sweatpants. Gonna really invest in that leisure wear. Yeah, we know one market that is doing very well right now. It is leisure wear. Active wear. So, uh, Sarasha, how do we know each other? So we went to high school together. It's a super funny story. It was a whole miscommunication. We went to high school together. I think you and Dante were two years ahead of me in high school. And um, I was friends with a girl who dated a boy that you, Aurelia, used to date. And um, the tangled web. The tangled web. And because I was friends with that girl, I de facto hated you so much. And because um, I'm a good friend. And uh, you also hated me because I was friends with that girl. And we just really did not like each other. I would say we were not nemeses because you were probably nemeses with that girl, but we definitely we were not friendly. No. And um, despite the fact that a lot of people, we have a lot including of including Dante, including Dante said that we needed to be friends <laughs> because we were very similar and neither of us believed it for a long time. And then I think you left high school. This was, I think you had already left high school at this point. And um, I am convinced that this was a setup, but I was with another friend and you were with another friend and we happened to quote unquote run into each other at Mix, a local coffee shop. 
and um they you know it was kind of the whole oh fancy seeing you here kind of thing and uh we hung out that day uh the fateful day at mix and uh decided that we were best friends and then you moved to ireland no you were in living in new york at the time and you were back for a break and then immediately moved to ireland and our entire friendship for most of it was over facebook messenger um, except for we had just become friends. I came to New York with my mom on a trip and saw you the day that you left for Ireland. <laughs> we ate bagels with your mom. <laughs> we ate bagels with my mom and um, and then you left and moved to Ireland for three years. <laughs> and also just unrelated, but I think later down the line, we realized that it was neither you nor the girl that was the issue, it was the boy. It always is. <laughs> always is. Coming from a boy himself. Coming from a boy. Who Dante was not the boy, just to make yes. that. Yes. No, it was not Dante. Though I will say, Dante, a bunch of people asked me about our two week love affair in high school. People were like, but you just say that and then you don't talk about it again. I would call it an affair to remember. I, but like, that's the thing is that you just say that and then don't talk about it again. Like, pretty much describes all there is to describe about that like romantic involvement. It's really a flash in the pan that yeah. just needed to get out the way so true friendship could emerge. That's how I feel about it. It's like, we just needed to see, we saw, we left. Like the Grand Canyon. You get out, you look at it, and then you leave. You know? Yeah. That's, yeah. That's kind of, uh, kind that's of what it. did happen. And here we are. And now here we are. And very Riley good friends. And are not uh, enemies anymore. No. And I'm now on her podcast. And yes. So it's really been a journey. Today is really fun because I feel like I'm with the smartest people I know. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so, I mean, Sarah uh, just finished law school. Yes, I did. I just graduated. Well, I haven't, you know, it's quarantine, so we don't actually have a graduation ceremony. I'm but sorry. technically, just graduated law school. Yes, just graduated law school. And then Dante is a CIA agent. Yeah. So. <laughs> uh, the goal of this interview is to get Sara to confess things that will preemptively get her disbarred. Man, you're getting me liquored up already. Yeah, I mean, we're getting loose. I'm already two beers in. It's only 3 p.m. Four, I guess now. I was running around my yard looking for a rosemary to make a gin, a rosemary <laughs> gin and tonic, but alas, I am just here stuck with a regular old plain gin and tonic. <sighs> Cannot find any rosemary. Truly one of the most specific Northwest statements of the night. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Sarah's wearing a beanie, so. I'm wearing a beanie, but I'm also sitting next to a bookshelf of a lot of leather-bound books. A lawyer, but cool. No, I take the beanie off in court, though. They make, they make you do that. They do? <laughs> yeah, we're hot. Is that a law? I'm probably somewhere. <laughs> Not in Oregon, but definitely somewhere it is. You should be like, that's, you should make that your thing. Like you're like the lawyer that wears the beanie in court. No, you're too fashionable for that. Yeah, I, beanies are for when I'm in quarantine and I haven't got a haircut for three months. So. It's, it's your business casual beanie. Yes, my Carhartt business casual. <laughs> oh, maybe you'll get a sponsorship from Carhartt, no? Yeah, Carhartt, please sponsor this podcast <laughs> where we talk about what made us horny as youths? Carhartt. Excited for the social media feed to just be a bunch of Carhartt ads. Yeah, no, my the FBI agent in my phone, which sometimes I'm convinced is Dante, is uh, <laughs> has, has heard me. Oh my God, do I? Do y'all want to hear my theory? Yeah, yeah. My theory is that if you say the title of a movie or show that you want to watch, that you're like pretty sure is on a streaming service for free, they take it off really for it this has happened to me at least five times in the core where i have said oh this movie is definitely on xyz platform i saw it there and then you go to look and it's not there yeah 
I think they, if, if you say it out loud, they hear it and they take it off. But just for you, other people can access it. Oh yeah, no, just for you. Cause it makes you have to pay for it. Yeah. Fuck you, Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. Wait, really? They did it to Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants? I'm positive they did it to Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. I haven't said it. Both of you have said it. I'll check to see if I can watch it and you guys won't be able to see it. There you go. But what I love about having people on the pod that I knew in my youth is that I get to talk about these things and it feels like it has some like really great context. So, uh, Sarah, would you like to talk about why we're here? Yes, I absolutely would. I was 12 years old the first time I saw Fellowship of the Ring. And, you know, by proxy, it was the first time I saw Aragorn in Fellowship of the Ring. And that's when I realized that you could feel some type of way about a man. <laughs> um, I think it started when he blew his pipe and you could like see like, the, the reflection of the flame in his eyes. And he just like, I felt like he saw me. Um, <laughs> Me at the age of 12. And it's really funny because when I first watched Lord of the Rings, like the, the, the first one, Fellowship of the Ring specifically, I thought it was quite boring. I actually did not like it very much, except for Aragorn. Hmm, fascinating. So you did not come into the Lord of the Rings universe as like already a stan of the stories? No, I, my, so my dad loved the books and I like had the books but I never read them. I just like had them and would like carry them around because I thought it was very sophisticated when I was like seven or eight. You're correct. I think the cover of the Fellowship of the Ring book that I have is when Arwen like summons the like water horses and it's like that scene. It's like the cover of the book. And so I knew that the movies were like a big thing and I watched them and um, I was like, I don't really, I don't really get the hype. Except. Except. And then I was like, okay, I'll watch the second one. And I was like, okay, I get the hype now. The second one is great. And then the third one was, you know, the best movie ever made. Yeah. You and I are like pretty much in, in, in solidarity around the third movie being the best movie ever made. I will always say whenever anyone asks like what my favorite movie is, I'm always like Return of the King. So my funny thing is that, and I don't know why, I don't know how to explain it. And I don't know, it makes zero sense. My favorite movie of all time is Return of the King. My favorite Lord of the Rings movie is The Two Towers. <laughs> Can you try to break that down? Riddle me that. Um, yeah, it's actually pretty simple. I, objectively, Return of the King is the best movie ever made, just like in terms of like cinematography, filmmaking, everything. Two Towers is just the most fun to watch because <laughs> the entire <laughs> movie is a battle and it's just the Battle of Helm's Deep is like the most fun thing to watch. I think Legolas has like the best scenes in the second movie too. Aragorn opens the door in the second he movie. He does open that's the door. That's in the second movie where he opens the door and that's a, that was a big moment for me. Yeah, you and Eowyn. Wait, what? what? Yeah, Aragorn, when he, when everyone thinks he's dead after they were on their way to Helm's Deep and the riders, the scouts like attacked and then he went over the cliff and everyone thought he was dead. And they get to Helm's Deep and they're all talking in the throne room and Aragorn like pushes the like great hall doors open and there's like a huge beam of white light behind him. And he's kind of wet. He's really wet and very, very dirty, like almost. Yeah, he's like blood everywhere and I don't, yeah. And he like shakes his hair. There's, it's a lot. It's a lot. And I was like, that is a man. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think about that shot because I recently watched all three movies because, you know, I had the time. And I, I think I watched Two Towers the least of the three. 
Yeah. Not because of anything that I don't like it or anything. I love all three movies, but I think it's just the one that I've watched the least. It's the middle one. It's not it's Return the of the King. Yeah. Objectively, the like one. the middle one of anything is, is the, not yeah. going to be the most watched. Yeah. Sure. But it is great. Like it has the ends, which I love. And, and yeah, that moment. When I think about that moment, I, I think that it, we're meant to, as the audience, we're meant to be seeing that through Awen's perspective yeah so I think it is truly very deliberately meant to be a horny moment because she is very into Aragorn and she's very turned on by Aragorn so we as an audience I think are meant to be and also I mean not to switch to a different of the three movies but in the third movie when she comes on like the journey with them and he's like okay like let's be real why are you here why are you riding with all these like soldiers and she's like oh don't you like get it I'm obviously here to bone and he <laughs> the, delivers the line I cannot give you what you seek is no dick for you. Breakup line like I've ever heard in my life to the point where she kind of is like sad, but is like you know I respect that and I'm still gonna ride into battle. <laughs> I mean, if we're okay, if we're talking about moments for me, I think I had. I mean, every everything made me so horny as a child. I was disgusting, but. <laughs> You're like, oh, teenage boy. <laughs> I want everything, just like everything. I was like, oh, yeah, can I, uh, like, I just want to rub it. Um, it was all very disgusting, but. <laughs> A slight breeze. Awen <laughs> oh. <laughs> was certainly a character that made me feel a certain way, both in the way that I was like, oh, I want to be like that. Yeah. And also in the way that I was like, she is so beautiful and she is so strong and she's going to ride into battle. And she was like super butthurt about getting rejected by Aragorn but then she like defeats the witch king and I am no man oh that was so hot so yeah. hot so I think, yeah. like one thing about Aragorn that like besides just like how absolutely like gorgeous gorgeous and like gruff and sexy he is is that like I think it actually helped me realize like I can be like an Aroin or an Aowen, like a strong woman and still be like get the attraction of a man like that. Like you don't have to be a damsel in distress. Like he was attracted to women that were stronger than him yeah. kind of thing and like totally welcomed it. Like he was a, he was a total feminist. And I think that it really like made me realize like, oh, you can, you don't have to be like this like fainting damsel in distress to like get a man's attention. For yeah. sure. For sure. I think he's like a, he's definitely the kind of guy who's like a supportive partner and you see that. I do think that Fellowship Arwen is very different from Two Towers and Return of the King Arwen. And I feel like as the story progresses, they just do her a little dirty. Because she, she's like, I'm staying for the man and like that kind of stuff. Not even that. It's just like when we first meet her, she's like really cool. She emerges, like you see her, kind of how you're seeing Aragorn from Eowyn's perspective mm -hmm. in the second one, you're seeing her from the Hobbit's perspective in the first <gasps> one. Oh. And she's like not even wearing the same clothes that she's actually wearing. But they're like, holy shit. It's yeah. <laughs> like this like, oh, moment of which there are so many. Yeah. Lord of the Rings, God bless it. <laughs> um, but yeah, she comes out of the woods sparkling. But then she like rides a really fast horse and she like does a spell. She's like a cool elf chick. But then it's not even about the fact that she like stays for him that pisses me off. It's that they write her as very frail and weak. And just like always, oh, kind of gas. I think the problem in the movie, and because it's very like she's very prominent in the books compared to the movie. Like she's oh, way yeah. more in the books than she is in the movies. And I think 
they don't do a good job and unless you read the books or have seen the movies like a hundred thousand times like we have yeah you don't understand that she's like that because like she gave him her, her mortality and that star and like as he's writing to his death she's like dying because she's like mortal now right that was not something i understood till much you know, later that's not something i understood until today that's, oh, what? that's what's happening because she gives him that like necklace which is like a symbol of her immortality and she's like i choose a mortal life and as he's like writing towards his fate and kind of they everyone assumes death because everyone thinks sauron's gonna win at that point right. she's like dying like the star it's like it's like starlight that's in that um oh my god and it, as it's dying she's dying like that but you don't get that you just think she's like this frail woman who's like sad and scared they don't do it well in the movie like slow motion her dropping a book and it's, <laughs> it's so sad yeah, no they went full fucking like uh what's it called pride and prejudice on her yeah 100 and then her dad is like oh you stay like because then you have elrond being mad that she stayed for a man but like why wouldn't you stay for him he's you know <laughs> it worked out for her she became a queen <laughs> like literally she she knew how to play the long game so i mean she won it in the end so and they the end. uh brett from flight of the concords makes this little cameo arwen we can't or he says lady arwen we cannot delay <laughs> yeah i know that's brett from flight of the concords yeah you're learning a bunch of new stuff today i point it out every single time i watch it and most people i watch that movie with are like what the fuck is flight of the concords and i'm like go we're pausing this movie and you need to go watch flight of the <laughs> get out of here what's flight of the concords objectively as important as important as lord of the rings if we're talking about things that happen in new zealand that are important there's lord of the rings and flight of the concords and taika watiti so for for me, I also had a big awakening to these movies, but it's a little, I've talked about this on the podcast before, it's not normal. Oh yeah, because that's what we expected. <laughs> you ex- Nor- normalcy <laughs> is what I came here for. Yeah, you know. I think that watching particularly Return of the King when it came out in theaters with my parents, I remember there's a scene, the scene where Pippin touches that ball oh yeah the seeing stone yeah. the palantir yeah and then he um yeah he the palantir, the palantir. Get the name right. yeah, actually, i'm a bad man get the name right <laughs> when he came to there was some just very heavy breathing that he did and i think my young brain was like again like a slight breeze was like yeah <laughs> the heavy breathing that he did I like recognized in my like little fucking caveman lizard brain as like hot, like sexy. (laughs) (laughs) And then immediately it's like smash cut to Legolas, like blood has been spilled this night. Every fucking line Legolas says is stupid. (laughs) (laughs) They, that fucking (laughs) script did that actor so dirty. But I also think that Orlando Bloom was maybe not a great actor at that moment so first movie i I know and they were like let's fuck with this kid and make him say absolutely ridiculous shit like let's just make him say this they made him say they're taking the hobbits to isengard which we know iconic know what happens later exactly an essential part of internet culture for like seven straight fucking years that was like one of the first memes it actually was it was one it was probably one of my favorite youtube videos um taking the hobbits to isengard and 
There's a 10-hour version of it. Which I don't <laughs> Why? Know. Why would you need that? I don't know. But anyway, so Pippin has some sexy breathing post-possession. And then in that same movie, they have him singing. And I was just like, what? Super sad song, too. It was so sad, but he sounded like his voice was so, like, crystal pure. Like, I know we're, I know I'm here to talk about Aragorn, but... We're here um, to talk about it all. Hard, hard, no pun intended, runner-up is Faramir riding off to battle after his dad tells him he wished that he was the one that died. I know. What is, we're really into some sad narrative. (laughs) Yeah. But I'm, I'm I'm like, wow. Like, I'm so glad him and Eowyn, you know, Mm. they really, they really, that was a good pair. The description of that in the book is some of my favorite prose that's ever been written. In the movie, it's just them looking at each other like once. It's not. I hate it. I hate it. But in the book, it's like this beautiful like description about how like their souls are. I don't remember it. More in the director's cut though? A little bit. They're like healing together. Like they're both injured in battle and they're they're like, he almost got burned alive. Yeah, (laughs) by his crazy dad. By his crazy dad who has one of the most epic deaths ever. He like jumps off the edge. (laughs) And then Gandalf is like, all right. He's done. And, uh, yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. no, yeah, in the in the book, that's like this beautiful description about how they like really get to know each other and how like he when he proposes, it's like this obvious obvious thing for her that it's like of course and like it's beautiful and I I wish I'll find it and post it when I yeah, this episode, but it is really quite um, nice. speaking of singing though, mm-hmm. someone that gets away with singing like who sings at, in elvish at their coronation is <laughs> oh my god why does he do that as he's walking down the stairs bowing to people and um there's there's something about that that <laughs> does it for you Gravitas really does it for me literally i guess anytime pe- <laughs> our boys were singing it's either a cast member that's singing or Enya on the soundtrack. <laughs> it's one or the other. And you're like this. You're Are like, you talking about when he randomly like starts singing an Elvish after he's crowned? Yeah, at his coronation. Oh, that's him. <laughs> no, that's what I'm saying. No, I'm saying it's either like, the singing in the singing in the Lord of the Rings movies is either a cast member yeah. or something on the score with Enya. Yes. <laughs> Those are the only things that there's songs happening and, yeah. and with Mary and Pippin singing the Green Dragon song which is iconic iconic oh, those boys I I really do feel like my whole taste in men particularly and also in women now that I'm thinking about it was like formed <laughs> off of this movie yeah no I actually I mean me me too obviously yeah <laughs> but, but not only it not only did Aragorn teach me like what kind of man I'm attracted to but like how a man should treat a woman I think was what also really did it for me oh yeah 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 absolutely Aragorn starts out kind of like a cowboy character oh right? he's a ranger like, he's bad boy a, yeah. he's a man of the land yeah he's a ranger and they call him strider like hot hello that is a hot <laughs> Strider is a hot name. One thing that didn't make it into the movies, I think it's in the director's cut in the extend or the extended edition or something, um, is that he casually slips to Eowyn that he's like 95 years old. <laughs> She's like, wait, what? Just so you know. Yeah. Right, because he's got elvish blood in him. Yeah, he's, he's part of this like specific tribe of like elvish descendants, but they're humans. And he right. is that and like casually mentions it to Eowyn and she's like, wait, what? <laughs> 
but she's kind of like i'm down honestly like, oh, she like, doesn't give a fuck <laughs> man. Yeah. meanwhile like aragorn to arwen arwen's like i'm timeless i'm a thousand years old yeah, I, yeah. I i've never I, I was never born and i never died like let's like, like let's are there elf children i feel like that's really unclear it's really interesting because you have to you get a certain age where you just stop aging i guess yeah but like what decides that because elrond looks old as fuck elrond looks older than orlando bloom legolas who looks younger than arwen right and, and how old is galadriel <laughs> supposed to be She's, she's the, one of the she's oldest. The oldest one. She's like the oldest elf. God, I, I love her. I haven't. I don't know a ton of the lore, but like, I think you got to get back into the Silmarillion to have this like make sense. Yeah. Oh yeah, she's like there. Like a, in the intro of the first movie, she's like one of the three that has one. Of yeah. Them. You see her with the ring, and she's like, whoa. And Elrond is not one of them. I don't. Think. No, he's not. I'm actually not clear on this point if the elves are born in Middle Earth or if they all came over at the same time right like if like these are the oh. same elves that came over when middle earth was first populated i, I don't think know. that some of them probably came over when middle earth was first populated but some of them had to be born in middle earth right yeah well there's like different types of elves there's like woodland elves and, woodland elves and river elves oh, gosh yeah. the lore so deep river. so extensive Silmarillion is something that i have not been able to tackle well, because it's a history book, right? <laughs> like, do you just, like, go out of your way to read, like, dense? <laughs> Gonna read a dense history of a place that isn't real. That does not do it for me. <laughs> I will say, speaking of just when talking about Aurelia, you, like, being a, a teenage boy and being, like, turned on by everything. Yeah. I remember the first time that I ever marathoned these movies in one day. I did, I, it was in middle school. I think I was, like, 13 or something. And it was with uh two boys that i was in middle school with i don't want to name names wait can you name names so i can bleep them out yeah it was Stop! and um and i remember watching it with them at my mom's house just to paint a picture and we were watching the first one and i remember the scene where arwen first comes in in the first one i just look over like we're watching and everyone's quiet Arwen comes in, you're seeing her from the Hobbit's perspective, and she's like, beautiful. Oh, yeah, and I look over, and she just has a mountain of pillows, like, over yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I just, like, he didn't say anything, don't know, don't remember when he put them there, and I just, we all kind of looked at him, and he just kind of looked back at us, and was just like, shh. <laughs> It was like a, it was like we were interrupting it for him by looking at him in that moment. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's a thirteen-year-old boy for you, right there. He just puts his finger to his mouth and shushes you. <laughs> You're ruining this for me. <laughs> my mother's couch pillow. <laughs> oh, your poor mother's couch pillows. Yeah. So that was a moment where I was like, okay, so he's that's doing it for him, but. I think this movie really just did it for an entire generation. I, I would have, I would agree with that. Can confirm that Arwen absolutely was doing it for him at that moment. Oh yeah. Arwen. Arwen, I mean, yeah, Liv Tyler's super gorgeous. I just was always more of an Awen and like a little bit of a Galadriel because I do like, I'm like, my thing about women is that I want them to be able to step on my neck. <laughs> yeah, Galadriel, absolutely. <laughs> 
especially especially that scene where she's like instead of a dark lord you will have a queen i was so excited by that not not really in a sexual way i think frodo was i think frodo was pretty excited about that a little hard i think was like i'm scared but like why do i feel scared and hurt on at the same time I mean, that's the whole vibe I'm going for whenever, like, I meet a woman who kind of terrifies me. I'm always like, oh, <laughs> like, I this is great. That was also Frodo's whole vibe throughout the whole entire movie. I, now, when I watch those movies, I fast forward him and Sam's parts every time I watch those movies. <gasps> no, hot take, but, like. Eh. It's okay. It's so interesting that this movie seemed to, like, really do it for a whole generation of us. Because in watching them back, there is something that I noticed about these stories is that it's, it is actually like a pretty sexless world. Awen and Aragorn and, and Arwen, obviously, they, they have like horny feelings and like rosy cotton and all those things. But like at the heart of this movie is like this. Oh my gosh, shout out to Rosie Cotton. Rosie Cotton! Um, dancing with ribbons in her hair. <laughs> if ever I were to marry, it would have been her. It would have been her. I love these movies. But at the center of these movies is this world in which it's okay for men to be affectionate and intimate with each other Mm -hmm. and like I was so surprised and shocked by that because I remember growing up there were so many just like oh Sam and Frodo were gay and it's like that is not what I read into it now as a person who has lived a life and like knows a a lot of gay men and is a gay person yeah like I was just like no like this is this is like the whole point of Lord of the Rings is that it's like this avenue for men to explore intimacy with each other in a way that is not like this world is not sexual because like these men can be intimate with each other in this way. And I thought that was so fascinating to to like see happen. And I, I'm so mad at every single middle school boy who was like, oh, Sam and Frodo were gay. And I'm like, and regardless if they were so, but like that's, that was just not at the heart of that message no that's not that's not what was happening between them clearly there was a bond that was beyond like the sexuality of it i think between frodo beyond yeah it's a story also where the most important relationships are not romantic ones they are i mean questions of fellowship right like it is it is about in the gendered sense for for frodo and sam brotherhood right but like as opposed to others even like like the like the story of king arthur right like a key relationship in king arthur is the betrayal of like what's her name guinevere or gwendolyn or whatever her name is lancelot lancelot right like the fact that the fact like this romantic relationship is central to the plot in a key way and in a lot of stories you have like a hero and a usually usually male hero usually female kind of damsel in distress damsel, you know like 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 love interest who is to be saved and is representative of what is saved right like and it's, it's also i think supposed to be representative of what should be feminine yeah or and it is like a stand-in for the country or the nation yeah, right like right. It, you know and whereas that's at best a b-plot in the lord of the rings absolutely Absolutely. Yeah. And I think I think one thing that's important, like in terms of, you know, obviously there's a little bit of romance in the movie, but that's absolutely not central. I mean, it's definitely secondary to kind of the importance of fellowship and the importance of friendship and a bond that goes deeper than kind of sexuality and relationships in that way. And I think what's important is also to connect that to the romance too. Like you have to understand that more more than the sexuality in terms of like a real life relationship you have to have the fellowship you have to have the friendship foundation first you have to have have that kind of bond that that goes beyond just like oh that person's attractive because they you know they look a certain way or 
a woman is attractive because she's, you know, feminine or something like that, and a man is attractive because he's macho and does all the saving, it's different in that way. I think that's what makes it more, kind of puts a deeper meaning behind what it means to bond with people. Yes, and when, that's so smart. When I think about the, like, the central relationships in this story, you have Frodo and Sam, you have Merry and Pippin, you have... Mm -hmm. Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli, and you have these like, I mean, does it pass the Bechdel test? No, but is it a really beautiful representation of like what male friendships can be and have the depth to be? And those actors also found themselves in these incredibly deep friendships that last on to this day. And I think that's so beautiful. And I think that's so important. Then I wish that that was something that young people could take away from this movie that did it for them as well. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think, I think more important is that I think that like the bond that comes out of it is something that you know you can place that in a friendship or a romantic relationship or something like that it can be either one yeah and hobbits are hot and yeah (laughs) um I think that's a perfect note to end on really quickly I just want to say that uh, there's a moment in Fellowship of the Ring where they're running towards Buckleberry Ferry when they hop onto the ferry and then the horse it sounds like in its whinny he's saying Benny Hill (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> wait really yes and i will put a link to it in the um, episode description and i'll send it to both of you as soon as we're done also, just for some reason one of my favorite lines in line delivery of any movie is when mary says buckleberry ferry 20 miles i don't know why buckleberry ferry, just, 20 miles it does it very well it just rolls right off your tongue but yeah i'm so glad i talked to the smartest people i know uh yeah well this was really fun i got to talk about lord of the rings and how aragorn did it for me so Yes, this is the best. All right. Is there anything that you would like to promote or want to tell the audience where they can find you if they want to find you? Um, the audience should not try to find me. I will be stuck no. for the bar exam in total <laughs> seclusion, even after these quarantine laws are lifted. So um, amazing. Well, be sure to promote, you know, stay inside, stay safe, save lives, wear a mask. Right. If you do go outside, please. Amazing. Dante Tapo. Hello. You, you're hiding from everyone because you're a CIA me, agent. Thank you for letting me. Um, you stop saying that on a public podcast. Yeah, well. Uh, this, is, this, is how, this is how I buy my way to exposure. It's great. Well, Dante is a, an executive producer on this podcast, which means that he gets a monthly guest spot to come on and co-host with me. Yeah, I'm going to pitch being a monthly producer. Thank you. You should definitely tell people why they should become a patron on the Patreon. Go to the Patreon, the link of which will be available... In the episode I don't description. Know, I don't know the, the string of numbers. I think you just search that do it for you on Patreon. Yeah, you go. It's patreon.com slash that do it for you pod. Thank you. There we go. And then you too can become a monthly producer. Um, it's a good place to put your your stimulus check, your your don't revolt bribe. Especially because uh, I did not get a stimulus check for some reason. Support a local business. I'm a local business. I did get a stimulus check, but support a local business. There you go. Support the local business, stimulate the economy. There you go. Nothing, think about it this way. Nothing will piss Mike Pence off more is you donating money to a podcast about your sexual awakening. Yes. And there it is. There you go. Piss off Mike Pence. Donate to the pod. That's the pitch. Piss off Mike Pence and donate to the That Do It For You podcast. And if you even go on to the Venmo and donate, I will be providing a blooper reel from the episode I recorded with my mom. (laughs) where she talks about her improv class that she takes over zoom and also how she wants to be george costanza so 
<laughs> it's oh great. Oh my god. The content is good. So it's worth it. I just finished the episode with your mom today. It is incredible. The phrase explicit nuzzling came up and I lost <laughs> Shit. No spoilers. I'm going to go watch it tonight. Great. Excellent. All right. I'm going to turn off the recording. This was great. Thank you both so much. Oh, wait. Quickly. Very quickly. Did that do it for you? That did it for me. That definitely did it for me. That definitely that did, it for did, it did it for me. Fuck. Yeah. All right. Cool. Well, that did it for me. Hope that did it for you. Thank you so much for listening. That Do It For You is hosted and edited by Aurelia Grierson to the best of their ability. It is produced by Dante Tapo and Chandler Parrott Thomas. Eleanor Hobson is our media and marketing manager. Our theme song is by Eric Solis and our visual design is by Margaret Chambers. That Do It For You is a sex positive podcast with naughty words and mentions of characters I do not own. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at That Do It For You. Be sure to tell your friends about us, rate and review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. And if you're interested in becoming a monthly donor, you can go to patreon.com slash that do it for you pod to join our horny little community.